When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Today is Sunday, October 25th. This is Celtics Beat, presented by Linda and Casper. And I am Larry H. Russell. The last show of October. The last show of the offseason. Games begin this Wednesday. Today's show, we will be joined by, as promised, the president of the Boston Celtics, Rich Gotham. Perfect time to get Richie back on the show. I know Celtics fans, the media, myself, whatever, whatever, there's been... Preview after preview after preview, the official preview of the Celtics season. Heck, we're previewing the NBA season, etc., etc. They're previewing this show on this week and up, 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 weekend and week out. Goodness, since the end of the season in May. But now we can really go ahead, get a take on the state of the organization, where it stands, and yes, preview the coming Boston Celtics season with Mr. Gotham. The season... Finally begins this Wednesday, October 28th, at the Garden. The Philadelphia 76ers are in Boston on Wednesday night. Yes, a tomato can for you, Dan Shaughnessy. We already gave away our seats to the game. Stay tuned. We have another contest that we will announce a little later in the show to go to the Atlanta Hawks in Boston in November. We gave away our seats to the Philly game. And if you still want to get into the Garden that bad, see the Celtics start the season off 1-0. And I can say that confidently, by the by. Well, then purchase your seats at TickIQ. That's T-I-Q-I-Q.com. These guys have the cheapest seats around to not just the Celtics, but all the locals, the Patriots, the Bruins, shows, concerts, whatever. The most efficient ticket aggregator around getting to where you want for the cheapest price possible. And they just released a fantastic rewards-based mobile ticket buying app. Tip IQ already has the cheapest tickets for all of Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette, and on the road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform, and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store to download the TickIQ app and start saving today. That is T-I-Q-I-Q. Use the promo code BOSTON. That is BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. Yes, check that out. Especially if you're looking for seats to see the Celtics against Philadelphia on opening night. By the way, I haven't had the chance to say this, but thank you, schedule makers, 
for putting the Sixers on opening night in Boston. Certainly makes giving away your Sixers tickets a lot more thoughtful, I guess. Far different than, say, if it was like a Monday in March and you're looking to dump the game and you give them to your mailman for Christmas and it's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Merry Christmas. Go see the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's, oh, yeah, geez, uh, thank you. And uh, any, uh, you know, I'll use this to light my cigar. But uh, any night, any other night, it's kind of, it's, it's one of those games. But Wednesday, hey, it's opening night. First time to see the Celtics and get to see the Celtics start the season off with a win. Gets a little tricky after that, though. We'll be back next Sunday, November 1st, to talk about the undefeated Celtics or the 500 Celtics as the two-time defending Atlantic Division champions. Ha, ha, ha. Roar, roar, roar. The Toronto Raptors will be in Boston that Friday night. And then we'll get to look to the game that day next Sunday against the real team, San Antonio, on November 1st which will be the next edition of Celtics Beat. We'll recap the week, the first week of the year. Serve as a pregame show of that game against San Antonio. And don't forget, CLNS Radio is home to the only call-in postgame show after every single Celtics game. Taking your calls toll-free at 347-215-7771. The only call-in postgame show after every game this season on CLNSRadio.com. And to not miss a post-game show, or an episode of Celtics Beat for that matter, download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for iOS and Android and have instant access to 10-plus New England sports podcasts. And, like I said, we were going to do another contest giveaway. This makes it very simple. Here we go. Two tickets to see the Celtics face the Atlanta Hawks on Boston, Friday the 13th. Ooh. But just simply download and rate and review the CLNS Radio mobile app and you're in the contest. That's it, right? More, de- more details to follow at Celtics Beat on Twitter. Get direct download links there for Celt- uh, iOS and Android. And the postgame show next Sunday against San Antonio. Yours truly will be on it. I will be taking callers. So uh, I-, I hope you listen. And I hope you listen to the, the-, the pregame show, which is going to be this show, this uh, the next episode of Celtics Beat. Uh, but this Sunday is... This Sunday, we're not at next Sunday yet. Uh, we have had another string of preseason basketball games. I don't know how we've kind of had enough of those, and we want the real thing. Want to save my takes for that when I speak with Rich, and uh, probably a little later in the show because Rich is going to join us very shortly here, talk about the coming season, the preseason, the summer, the state of the organization, everything of relevance I know in regards to the state of the organization. It's very positive. I mean, who's critiquing the Celtics rebuild? Nobody. Well, maybe a fatalistic portion of the fan base, and uh, I'm a little guilty of it uh, myself. There are some episodes in the archives, and you're free, more than free to point them out to me or to Rich or to anybody out there. But uh, hey, but uh, now I would say it feels like almost every entity, particularly nationally, but every entity has that in one way or another, be it archaic aspects of the media or the most cutting edge and pragmatic individuals. I think it's safe to say that nationally, what the Celtics are doing and have been doing has been lauded. And like I say, really at a national level. Last year, I personally used the phrase to describe the rebuild ahead of schedule. 
uh, when describing the state of the organization last March, April, when it really looked like they turned the corner, not just that season, but with a lot of things coming into place, coaching. I mean, of course, we really knew what they had there, but it just last season sort of confirmed it. But some players emerging, forming an identity as a team, key goals of the early phases of a rebuild. And, uh, oh, yeah, the Nets sucking and looking like they will suck for many years. But we now hear this phrase endlessly, and I'm guilty of it. I like to think I like to think it almost like I started it. But now it's you hear it out there a lot. Uh, that the Celtics' rebuild is, quote, ahead of schedule. Feel it'll only be necessary to ask Rich such a question, even though it is kind of a basic and a bland question, and I'd love avoiding that, but it's a good way to start off a uh, discussion. And actually, we're going to ask our audience the Facebook question of the week presented by harrys.com. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. Say goodbye to money going down the drain with utterly absurd arm and leg prices for drugstore razor blades and sign up for an account with Harry's and get a starter's kit for $10, which includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and a month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10 by simply mentioning Celtics upon checkout at harrys.com. That's Celtics at harrys.com for a starter's or a two-man's kit. Um, I've got to say, I love these the new internet market, you know, it's a presidential election season real soon. You know, it's an, right now it's an odd year. We have, what, it's election day isn't too far away uh, to go vote for, what is it, city council or school committee or whatever. It's an odd year. But anyways, once we get to the presidential election season, uh, we're going to hear about all the cliche phrases, uh, progress, 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 so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And to me, it's just sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. But these internet companies like Harry's, are really putting their money where their mouth is. They're creating real change, providing the consumer not looking to take advantage of the consumer. Like corporate America does, many of these companies in our new economy, this is their mantra, making an honest buck, providing great products. And Harry's does just that with great, great razors. And doing so, like I said, making an honest dollar, an honest dollar, not looking to suck every last possible nickel they can out of you. I strongly suggest our listeners to give them a chance. You'll save a ton of money. Again, enter Celtics upon checkout when ordering a Truman's kit or a starter's kit. And you can get everything you need for a great shave for 10 freaking dollars. It can't hurt. Give it a shot. But, uh, Listen, I kind of let the great products that Harry's provides me get off track a bit with a mini subliminal rant about corporate America. Back to the show. Sorry. Facebook question of the week presented by, yes, harrys.com. Celtics beat audience. Is the Celtics rebuild ahead of schedule? I knew I was going there, right? Yes, no, whatever. That's up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Tell us what you think. Also... We are having an advanced discussion in our podcast discussion group as well. Private country club atmosphere a bit, but leave us a stellar response, and maybe you'll get an invite. Actually, you'll definitely get an invite on my behalf, but little warning, anything goes there. Okay, so curious as to what you think about if this rebuild is ahead of schedule. This is something I love to ask our guests, and I promise you I will ask our guests along with much more. We'll talk a lot, a lot with Richie. Rich Gotham, president of the Boston Celtics. Held this post for a while now, I believe. What's it been, 10 or 11 years? Seem to remember him coming on and around Doc. He's done a great job with the organization, as almost anyone associated with this organization has done really the last 10 years, particularly with the work done with game 
presentation. I've said this time and time and time again on this show. For all the sporting events there are in this town, and there are a lot, right? I've always said that going to the Garden for a Celtics game is the best experience. And I'm not the only one who believes that. I'm not saying that because I enjoy the Celtics uh, more than from the Patriots all the way to BU hockey, for goodness sake. Uh, I, I just think... It is the best, and I could use a whole other show to talk about why I think that. Of course, I've said on multiple shows over the years, been on the airwaves. Four years is February now, so you can check out our archives by searching Celtics Beat on iTunes, Stitcher, CLNSRadio.com. It's there, I promise. But Rich Gotham, president of the Celtics, very prestigious title. Last man to hold the title. Take a wild guess. My assumption is that even if you are the most casual of Celtics fans, you know who held that position before Mr. Gotham. But Rich is here right now. And every with Rich is brought to you by DraftKings. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. With one-week fantasy, there are no season-long commitments. Got an injured player, no problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. That means you can turn your love of football into the payday of a lifetime. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That is it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this before. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code New England and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy football contest, where first place takes home a hundred grand. Enter New England for free entry now, only at DraftKings.com. That's New England at DraftKings.com. Richie, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you joining us here on Celtics Beat. Thanks for having me, Larry. Appreciate it. I have to say, too, that, I mean, the 70 degrees are coming to an end. Usually, too, with baseball season, it's, oh, yay, baseball. It's like this national or at least locally. It's this whole phenomenon. Basketball is a little different all because of the weather-wise, but Cephas Fate, you're a little bit excited, aren't you? Yeah, this time of year is a lot of fun for us. Uh, you know, we get training camp uh, in full swing. You know, we've been to Europe with the team starting our, you know, exhibition or preseason schedule and and you really start to get a feel for, you know, what this team might be. So, uh, there's already always a lot of curiosity when you add new players like Amir Johnson and David Lee and you got rookies coming up, um, you know, like RJ and uh, Terry Rozier and Jordan Mickey. So, there's always a lot of excitement to see what those guys can bring to the team and then see how it all comes together. So, yeah, fun time of year for us, busy time of year too. Yeah, I know the first name you mentioned right off the bat was Amir Johnson. Oh, you're pretty excited about him, and he's had a solid preseason so far. I want to shift sort of towards oh, generally the state of the franchise because I know that's what we all love talking about before we get specifically into the season, which we definitely will. I, you know, I read a ton of pieces late last year as we all believe the team was overachieving and the great work Brad did, be it with the 40 wins, getting into the playoffs. A lot of people, myself included, kept saying that the rebuilding is now ahead of schedule. It's ahead of schedule. That was the phrase. And once again, this is a little bland question and very general, but would you qualify this whole process to be, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule? Well, it depends on the lens you look at it through. So we, we try to be introspective uh, and and look at it as, you know, not so much rebuilding but, but building, right? And, and I think uh, since Brad's been here, uh, yeah, we've changed, you know, the, the roster quite a bit. Um, but but it's always trying to get better every single day as an organization on the court, off the court, all the little things that go into building culture, building a winning culture and becoming a winning organization. And so, 
you know, that's been going on for a while and, 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 you know, for, 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 you know, 18 months. And, and I think it start I think it started to take, you know, towards the, the second half of last season. And obviously the, the players that we brought in accelerated that with Isaiah Thomas and, uh, you know, Jay Crowder was a big contributor. Uh, and, and, and I think we, we found our groove, but, but ultimately we look at it as, as a process, right? It's just, um, so, so we're, you don't say we're ahead, we're behind. We're like, are we getting a little bit better, getting close to where we want to be with, with every day that passes? And, and so I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we are where we'd like to be. You know, I, I don't think we're a finished product, but I think along our curve, we're where we would hope to have been, you know, um, at, at this point. And, uh, and I think whenever you make a big change like we did, uh, with Pierce and Garnett, you know, there's a thought that, boy, we, we may never get back there, right? Um, or there's a, a concern that fans might have. You never get back there. But I think if you're, you know, true to, you know, to your, to your uh, mission and what you're trying to get done and you're patient enough, um, you know, we, we had a good feeling that we'd turn the corner on this. And, and the good news is, you know, we feel like we've done that without sacrificing any of our future. So, you know, happy, we, you know, to sort of pick up, this season where we left off last season without having sacrificed any of our future to, you know, to get there. Yeah. And if I could also add one thing, cause that's, I guess what's going to do, but I look at it a little more specifically, I think that to be the case, but when you really analyze it, I like to think that from an abstract standpoint, it's ahead of schedule. Whereas concrete rise, you know, maybe the talent base on the team, you know, it's solid. It's going to be a good team this year, I would think, but it's not quite there yet. But abstract-wise, with such a positive vibe that surrounds the organization that really wasn't there this time of year, seems like for me, looking in that, there's a good culture there that hopefully can be even you know, built upon even further. But go ahead and pat myself on the back. Is that more of an accurate assessment of analyzing the overall state of the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. I, I think, you know, what you're trying to do is build something that's sustainable. And, uh, you know, players uh, can come and go, as, as, you know, as we've seen. You know, what you hope to obviously be able to do is settle on a, on a roster, you know, and a core of guys who are going to be with you for the long term. But I, I think, you know, what's most important is that you've sort of built – um, you know, that culture, that architecture where you can plug players in and, and like we are hopefully doing with, you know, Amir Johnson and David Lee that can help you get to the next level. But you've established that foundation of, of quality and now you're building on top of that. You know, so I think um, I think Brad has done a really good job of working with uh, the players we, we've given him and without without moving backwards, you know, even when. Um, you know, we've, we've had to make, you know, deals that aren't necessarily basketball deals or more deals that sort of put you in a position to do another deal down the road later. And, um, and I think he's with, with every change we've made to the roster, he's figured out how to, you know, take advantage of that, you know, and plug different players in and play to their strength. So I think that's, if anything's got us ahead of the curve, it's, you know, the ability to sort of plug players into what we're doing and get the most out of those individual players. Uh, and, and I think, you know, he's shown he's been able to do that with players like Evan Turner and Jay Crowder and other players who, you know, didn't come to us necessarily with, with sort of big, big resumes uh, or accomplishments, but have, have really flourished in the system. Tyler Zeller is another good example. So, um, you know, excited about where we are. Um, you know, as, as we move along the curve here towards our next championship. Yeah, it's sort of interesting to look at the, the, the dichotomy of 
this rebuilding phrase and then EG 10, 12 years ago, as scary as it is to refer as the last time this happened, but it really was the case, you know, 04 to 07. But it was interesting because we were talking about the culture of the team. That really wasn't there then, or at least it seemed that way. There was such a negative perception of, you know, towards the Celtics. I actually want to talk about that a little later in the show than there is now. In fact, you know, around, it's, I would say it's pretty positive, the, the outsider vantage point. But that team also had maybe some more concrete talent on the team that was you know that could be built upon and was even possibly more attractable to other teams. Is, is that the case, or am I a little inaccurate in saying something like that? Well, it, it, it depends on how you look at it. You know, if you're talking about guys back then like um, you know Al Jefferson and Gerald Green, who are clearly sort of and, and uh, Pierce, talented really, players. Or you, well, if you're talking about the guys who are on the team then, you know, the guys yeah. who stayed with us versus. You know, I, I think, listen, there's, you know, there's talent, but talent can be measured in different ways. You know, everyone wants to just look at stats and, and athleticism and the wow factors. You know, when, when I watch our team play, I, I see them doing things the right way. I see the effort there. I see the basketball intelligence there. And, and that stuff all goes towards winning, you know, uh, almost to the same degree as talent. There's, there's no substitute for talent, you know, but, but the idea is, you know, you can get players, um, the most out of players and put them in a position to be successful and get them playing hard and having your team be very well prepared and very hard to play against. Um, that, that's a good position to be in, you know, and, and then you hope to improve your, your talent over time. So, you know, you could say maybe there was more raw athletic talent and, you know, scoring talent on, on those teams, but, you know, this team, uh, from, from my perspective anyway, um, is a better, is a more well-rounded team than those, those pre-Garnett teams were. Yeah, I actually, I, I say there's no question about that. I thought the top upper echelon, there might have been a little more raw talent on that team. But this team, there's no doubt about it. It's more of a complete unit. And obviously, the, you know, the abstract analysis, there's far more of a positive culture that surrounds the team. But I love bringing up these historical examples and this one may be a little foreign to you, but one thing about that, especially with last year, the team having the great final nine weeks of the season, fairly or unfairly, this may not be how management and executives with the Celtics look at it, but there seems to be now an expectation amongst the fan base and the media that the Celtics are going to be a playoff team. You know, a team winning 55, 60 games, no, but competing night in and night out, beat it around 500 or, or God forbid, winning a playoff series with the right matchup. But now that's a good thing. But with these expectations could come disappointment. And bear with me a little bit here, Rich. But when I wrote Fall of the Boston Celtics, shameless plug for my book. But when I wrote that book last year, I talked with many of the staff during the Patino days. And they mentioned that 98 season, which was Patino's first year. They nearly doubled their win total from the previous year. And going into the next year, there was, you know, oh, this is going to be great. There's going to be this yearly incline with no interruptions in between. And that team just fell flat on their face, it regressed, and it never really got back to that. And many executives kind of point to that, you know, the, little, the expectations were just too high, too quick. Sorry for mailing on here but with these little history tales, but these expectations that this team has now, that they were not there two years ago, they weren't even there going into last year. Is that something that possibly concerns you from a team standpoint, you know, that there could be a regression in some areas? Or are these expectations, albeit not grand expectations, and certainly not by Celtic standards, are these expectations embraced in a way? Yeah, I, I don't think we're we're too concerned with you know anyone's expectations other than our than our own. Candidly, I think our expectation is that we'll continue to be to be better and to get better as a team. And I think um, you know obviously we had a nice run at the end of last year that. Uh, 
you know, generated some optimism for this year, and we, we embrace that. And, uh, you know, our, our goals would certainly be nothing short of, of being a playoff team. At the same time, we understand, you know, the league gets tougher every year, and while the East hasn't been top-heavy, um, you know, it's, it's getting heavy in the middle. And you could take, you know, spots 4 through 10 or 12 in the East and put a bunch of teams in, in a bag, shake it up, and pull them out, and who knows who's going to be there. So, you know, our expectations are that we're going to continue to improve. We expect that the competition is going to continue to improve, and there will be more teams. And there were a lot of teams fighting for, you know, the 6 through 8 last year. We think there are going to be more teams probably fighting for 4 through 8 this year, and we're going to be one of them, if not, you know, fighting for something bigger, hopefully. And uh, and and so having that expectation is it's, it's healthy. It's what we expect of ourselves, but uh, we we sort of don't kid ourselves to think that um, you know that if we don't continue to move along the curve, that we can just expect we're going to be a playoff team because of our success last year. You know, towards the end of last year, you know, we've got to we've got to continue to improve, and and that's why we did what we did. You know, this summer we didn't sit and push out the future for another year. You know, we went out and we grabbed uh, Amir Johnson as a free agent. We we went and made the trade for for David Lee, guys who can really come in and help make us a better team now. So you know, clearly we're um, you know we're expecting to be better based on the fact that we went out and set out to make improvements to our team last year or last summer. I know it's easier to say otherwise, but how does that fan and God forbid? media perception compromised daily and long-term decision-making. You know, one of the things that was most noticeable 10, 12 years ago, the last time the organization was in the stages of building a winner, the media was at best apathetic towards the organization, and at worst, it was relentless in terms of its criticism, most specifically directed towards Danny Ainge. This time around, it's literally a complete 180, in my opinion. But either way, be it positive, negative, neutral, uh, or God forbid, ap- apathetic. We don't want that, of course, and specifically never on this show. But whatever it is, how much of it does all this outside perception compromise what the organization does from a personnel standpoint? It doesn't at all. I mean, we're not, we're not going to be reactive uh, to you know to sort of media perception, or you know, we we obviously um, you know enjoy it when the media is optimistic and and positive about our team whether they're overly optimistic or overly pessimistic however isn't really you know isn't isn't a factor for how we're going to manage our team we've we've been doing this for a little while you know we look at the long view we think we understand what it takes to build a championship team and a championship culture and we're just going to keep heading along that course and you know of course you'd love to meet everyone's expectations along the way but but as I said, it's about getting better. You know, it's it's not so much about what are the external expectations, but what are the internal expectations for getting better, and are we getting better, and are we moving in the right direction and getting closer to where we want to be? And um, you know, the hope is that that that's what's going to happen, and that's certainly our intention. And um, you know, what what you know the, the the media expectations about that positive or negative aren't really going to play a role in, in how we how we operate things. But doesn't it – I mean, I'm asking you this personally, and I'm not even – this is almost sort of like the old Armageddon quote. You know, I come to you today as, as, as a citizen of the country but not president of the United States. But doesn't it concern you even just as a fan of the team that, like, let's say the team does take a step back? I mean, almost all that positive vibe might go out the window. I mean, do you, do you guys, you know, really take that importance or, or it's pretty much all black and white? It's just about the grand well, scale. Well, I mean, you, you obviously – prefer not to take a step backwards right so i mean that's that's the big thing it's got nothing to do you know listen we're we we're a business that's you know for the fans right i mean that's 
but we're in the fan business. So obviously we want the fans to always feel good about our team, but, but, but you know, there it's, it's a, uh, it's a cyclical business that you, you experience ups and downs. You have things like player injuries, you have unexpected things that happen, you know? Um, and by the way, they don't just happen on the downside. Sometimes they happen on the upside. And um, so yeah, you never want to sort of build a bunch of goodwill and then take a step backwards and see some of that, that goodwill disappear, but you certainly don't operate in, in fear of that happening, right? All you're, you're operating with, you know, the, uh, the conviction um, of an organization that, that expects to win championships and you keep going until you're there, you know, and you recognize that along the way there are going to be some bumps in the road, but um, you hope you can overcome those bumps. So we don't sit here saying, oh, no, what if we don't have a great season? We don't even – that doesn't answer our thinking at all. We say, listen, are we doing all the things we need to do to be as good as we can possibly be? And that's that's the game. That's, that's what we're shooting for, and uh, yeah, everything else is somewhat secondary to that. Talk about teams' construction this this winter. Uh, some would say, or basically me on this show would say, that there's been congestion on the roster, and many of our guests have referred to it as a competitive environment. Tell me, and we are asking, I guess, for an organization and a management's mindset on this, but was this intended when it came to roster construction this summer, where particularly with some young players, there are intentions where you want to have environments where every young player particularly the younger ones, would have to earn their playing time, which would likely increase their chances of some internal and individual improvement? Or was it the case of the franchise being in the state that it's in and it's kind of like, hey, just load up the roster and we'll see what sticks? Or was it even a little bit of both? Yeah, uh- Depth is, is not a problem, right? Depth is uh, if it's a, it's, it's a you know if it is a problem, it's a problem of prosperity. Uh, we we want to be as good as we can be, as competitive as we can be, and that means having as talented a roster as you can. And um, you know if we're deep, that means there's more competition in practice. And if there's more competition in practice every day, that means we're going to be a better team and we're going to be more prepared to play every night. And um, and, and so, you know, Brad's going to have his hands full, certainly in terms of, you know, player rotations. And, and there's a likelihood that there's a, you know, some, you know, some high quality NBA players who, you know, may have um, lesser roles than, you know, than they might on a team that's less deep. But the whole idea is to get everyone to buy into the, the team concept and, and play their role, whatever that role may be, and be ready. And I think Brad's shown he's, he's, he can get that out of his teams. And uh, I, I don't expect this year to be any different. But, uh, you know, the, the depth we have is a good thing. Uh, you don't go out and say, well, let's sort of create, you know, so much depth that, um, you know, we don't we don't have clear roles on the team. No, we're going to have clear roles on this team. And, uh, and you know, the expectation is that everyone plays their role. And, uh, and that, you know, makes us a better team. And, and hopefully depth becomes a competitive advantage for us and makes us tougher to play with. If you can roll deeper. Um, and and sustain you know intensity uh, throughout a, a 48 minute game. That that's got to be a competitive advantage, and and we have to look at our roster um, as something that you know is not something that that hurts us by being too deep, but something that helps us right. And 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 we look at it as a strength. And how do we um, you know how do we take advantage of that strength uh, and deploy that to our competitive advantage? You know every, every night on the floor. So. Um, you know, so that's the idea, and that's, but that's the coaching staff's challenge. That's what those guys have to figure out, and uh, I'm sure they will. 
I still say, though, and this is my one reservation heading into this season, not just in how I think the team will do this year, but obviously the health of the organization going forward and now building and maintaining such a positive atmosphere that can be carried over from the end of last year. But I look back at this past season. I remember you talking to me last year, last January, and crediting Brad at managing all the personalities when it was tough, as it was last January. But I feel like when that roster was ironed out a bit, it seemed like from the outside vantage point that the Celts were able to rapidly build team chemistry, bond as a collective unit. I still feel like there could be issues where maybe players, particularly along the front line, they're almost all free agents after the season. They're all playing for their futures and yeah, that'll make them you know, bust their hump off. But there are going to be those who inevitably won't see the court as much as they'd like to for their own sakes as well as the team. And I just feel that could be the only recipe possibly this season, the only recipe for unhappy campers. And maybe that could hinder the overall culture of the franchise both in and the outside. But I'll be fair, too. I, I feel like that's the only thing, despite obviously an endless array of injuries that could derail things. But... Anyways, guests like yourself and whatever you just said, and most importantly, what I've seen in these early stages and the, throughout the preseason now and certain points of it, you guys keep winning me over and how the roster is shaping itself out anyways. It seems to be just sort of settling in on its own. So I'm actually pretty much pleased there as a fan that you just told us that there will be set roles and what we've seen with these early games, that seems to be true and not just sort of standard media talk. But once again, I, sorry for running along there, Rich. But the last question, best of them all, right? Vividly remember watching a video of you on Solix.com last year. One of the few that were bullish on the 2015 Celtics before the season, you actually thought they could make the playoffs Took a little different path to get there, but suffice to say, you're fairly different from the general public's prediction came true in terms of the success of the team. Look into your crystal ball for fun, as you know, as a fan. How do you feel the 2016 Celtics season will end? I don't know how it'll end. You know, I mean, you, you know, I'm not in the, I'm not a prognosticator, oh, but I, I sort of go into it much. thinking that I, I've got good, I got good confidence in. Um, in the team that, that we built and the coaching staff to get the guys ready to play and to be, you know, and then the support staff to get them at peak performance. And I think uh, there's enough talent on this team, you know, that we, we should expect to be successful. Now, um, as I said, I don't, I don't take anything for granted, you know. Uh, I, I don't sit here and, and, and say to myself, because we finished the year 25 and 12, that means we're going to, you know, we're going to pick up right where we left off. No, it's, it's, you know, that, that would be disrespectful to the, the teams we've got to play against. You know, we've got to go out and prove it and, and earn it again. And if, you know, if we do what we think we can do, certainly, you know, we, we do have expectations of playoffs, but it's, you know, it's, it's way too early. You've got to get out there and you've got to see a few games. But uh, I, I feel bullish uh, about this team. I feel bullish about the guys who brought in over the summer I think are really going to help us uh, become a better team. I feel bullish about having Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder on our roster to start the season. I feel bullish, you know, with – you know, um, having Evan Turner ended last season, you know, with a bunch of triple doubles coming back. You know, there's a lot of things I feel good about, and I think some guys really proved themselves last year, whereas they might have been question marks. So this time last year, maybe it was wishful thinking to say, yeah, we're, we can be a playoff team. Uh, this year, I don't, I don't consider it to be wishful thinking. You know, I consider it to be hopeful thinking. I, I think we can get there. I hope we can get there. And, um, and, and, you know, if, if we, 
continue to do the things that made us successful towards the end of last year, then uh, there's no reason to believe we can't be. Mitch Gotham, president of the Boston Celtics, any final words that you would like to add to the show? Uh, you know, as, as always, I'm I'm just, you know, thankful for the, the support we get from our, our fan base. You know, um, it's easy to sort of, you know, pull for a team that's got the one big superstar, you know, the, the big gate attraction. I think fans have really gravitated to, you know, the way this team plays um, and, and the effort they put out. I think it's a good I think it's a good Boston team, you know, uh, that, that the kind of team that Boston fans can embrace. And uh, but I don't take that for granted. You know, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, when, when we have uh, you know a tough year like we did two years ago or the start of last year, that you know our, our our fans you know see the big picture and they stuck with us as we're building towards something bigger. And hopefully, this year is a, a step in the right direction for for our fans. And because uh, that's that's who we're doing it for. Yay. Rich Gotham, president of the Boston Celtics, thank you for stopping by. You're appreciative of the fans. I can safely say, I'm, you know, I'm going to speak for them. They're appreciative of how things are going for the Boston Celtics and have done so now in recent years and look to do so in the future. But really, great conversation. We'll talk more about it and recap the week on the other side of the break. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. And now, back to the show. Hi, this is Brent Berry, and you're listening to Celtic Street on CLNS Radio. Brought to you by American Farmers Network. To receive all the big benefits of small family farm and to eat healthy, log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Well, thank you, Mr. Barry. Closing in on Steak and Eggs Sunday, now my new favorite day, of course. The grass-fed certified organic steak being provided by our great friends at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And I don't forget to use fertile eggs, too. Been banging this one home, 100% grass-fed organic, as Bone said. Eat healthy to be healthy. And we know our great friends at American Farmers Network are doing their part. Welcome back into the show. This is Celtics Beat, presented this week by, yes, American Farmers Network and Linda and Casper. Speaking of AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, no around the NBA in five today. This is 100% a Celtic show today, all the way through, right to the end. Kind of had to do that, right, on the eve of the season. Had the team president on. Great chat there with Rich Gotham, president of the organization. If you like it, well, just listen to it again. We're on demand at your service. Really appreciate the forthright and the authenticity. Not just himself, but the organization. It's not media speak, coach speak, exec speak, and that... And what he said, what I've seen as far this preseason, it's why me personally, I've come around a bit. My concerns have been quelled, especially as 
And yes, I know these are preseason games, preseason, that opener against Philadelphia this Wednesday may as well qualify as uh, another preseason game, uh, be it against an NBDL team in itself. But I am seeing things laid out and going all the way back to the ahead of the schedule remark and question. And that phrase has really been, as I said at the beginning of the show, has just been tossed around all over the place. And what is it also, too, with the media? Like, do they think for themselves anymore? I guess the answer is not. But you have all these mindless stormtroopers that pose as reporters, these beat writers. And I see a piece on Jim Buss going talking about the Lakers. And boom, there it is, the ahead of schedule question. Fair question, of course. I asked it myself to Rich. But at the same time, it's just like it's almost like assets, right? It's just used so frequently. But what I like about what Rich said, getting back to the show here, there's really no schedule. And that's not a coward's way of putting it. It's more of keeping the organization as flexible as possible so that way the team can act when the time is right. And that is a very boring answer. It's a very political answer. But it's also true. It's the right answer. It's the only answer. And yes, we all agree with the team. I would think at least most of us. Well, last year particularly, the team did overachieve last year. Playoffs. And now the playoffs and winning 40 games is an expectation this year. So we're ahead of schedule in that regard as well. There's no doubt about that. But it's impossible to lay out in basketball and in the NBA like, oh, okay, in 2014, we're going to win 25-some games, get a lottery pick, hit that lottery pick, then slowly build, make the playoffs next year, then win 50 in 2016, and then boom, 2017, acquire TJ Hushmanzoe, championship. Throwback commercial reference, if you remember that one. Doesn't happen that way in the NBA. Don't need me to tell you that unless you're the most simplistic NBA fans, which maybe you are, but generally if you went out of your way to download this show, my guess is you aren't. But anyways, this season, yes, listen, okay, in the words of Bill Parcells, I reserve the right to change my mind. And I have done so with this team over the course of the past three weeks, really. I do think this team will do pretty well in regards to those expectations this year. I do think they can compete for the division. And my concerns, I mean, are they still there? Of course, but they are very faint now. Well, the concerns of what I feel had a chance of being the undoing of a team with the chemistry issues, but I think with the way Brad manages personalities, how obvious is that now with the team, especially with uh, what the people from the inside have been telling us it shouldn't be an issue and like I said last week the rotation it seems like it is already set and I know Jared Sullinger made a late push I'm not sure if that really was is much of a push I mean he, he grabbed some rebound you know, he's, he's always going to be able to rebound the basketball for you but as only was one good shooting night uh, this preseason came against the backups against the Knicks I know he made a push I still think he's on the outside looking in we discussed the rotation on the Facebook question of the week last week in our Facebook group. I kind of stand by that. One thing that that preseason game against Philadelphia showed us, maybe because it really didn't show us much, by the way, but one thing it did, I think that starting lineup that Stevens used, I'll only use him for a handful of minutes, but I think that is the starting lineup. But the rotation, starting lineup, I think it is, uh, it's already set. It really, for now, it's done. Not worried about unhappy campers. And if, God forbid, a Jared Sullinger speaks out, it'll be brushed aside. I do. This isn't going to implode from the inside and say, you know, 2001 Red Sox style if I want to use a throwback Boston reference. That looks doubtful. 
how I feel. Honestly, before the season, I was thinking, you know, 38, 42 games in and around there of, you know, where I felt the team would be. 38 wins being the worst case scenario. Guys just not working out. Playing time issues. Now, I'm just not totally buying the simulation computers with these 48 and 54 win seasons. Like, I just, I couldn't see that. I really can't. I'd be freaking flabbergasted if the Celtics do win north of 50 games. But I really would like to think we could conservatively guesstimate that the Celtics should should win 42 to 45 games. Somewhere in there. And who knows, 45 wins in the East. That could be good enough for a division. That could be good enough for maybe a, a home playoff series as a top four seed in the conference. And that would be a very good year and would likely do so in entertaining fashion which I, is, I find very important to myself for selfish reasons. But everything I've seen thus far in this preseason has made me pretty optimistic about the Celtics' fortunes this year, especially relative to all of their expectations. And expectations, that was another uh, part of the interview uh, that I talked about. And I thought that was really the pivotal takeaway from our chat with Rich there. Yes, once again, he may have been very political to a degree, but authentic to another degree. It's hard not to come away from that interview thinking that the mindset of those within the organization, and not just his, is that this team, this organization, expects, they expect to be in the playoffs this year. That was spoken with confidence. And I really think there's something to be said for that. Certainly gotten to another stage for this organization here, where, well, certainly that last year, the whole tanking thing, that that's ancient history now. And I think there's to be something we said where we talk about comp- concrete accomplishments, making the playoffs, winning 40 games, uh, being above 500, being then of course you know down the road 50 games, 60 games, winning a championship, whatever. You have concrete accomplishments like that. But I think there's an abstract accomplishment in its own right of that being that we all assume this team to make the playoffs going into the season. We all, yes, we all assume me, we. We all assume that the Celtics will be a playoff team this year, and a legit playoff team, not a 38-win also-ran that backs into the playoffs as an eight seed in a garbage conference and gets wiped out in the first round. I think this will be a good team this year, and I've got to give credit to our audience members, by the way, who've conversed with me via Twitter, email, and, and the guests as well over the past month, really the past month on the show, have done a, a great job pulling me away from the cliff in regards to the Celtics. And well, the team, the, yeah, what we've seen on the floor, they've done their part as well. Everything that our guests have said on prior shows this fall, during the summer, going all the way back to the summer, it seems to be confirmed by what we've seen on the court and off the court as well. I got it. David Lee, take it away. I said we have a young team, so you'd expect you know to have some practices where coach comes in at the end and says you know we just didn't have a good day today, but it's be better tomorrow. We haven't had that at all. I think part of it has just been the competition of uh, the depth and the guys, you know, fighting for positions. And the guys know that you know, that they can't have an off day, and so that's that's challenged everybody to really, uh, be their best each and every day and, and to challenge the guy next to them. Thank you, David Lee, and thanks to Jared Weiss, Kyle George, and the rest of the Garden Report for those words. Remember, raw, uncut videos from the locker room, YouTube.com/slash/CLNSRadio. Okay, also too. This past week, I had a little chat with Mike Gorman not too long ago, and he firmly convinced me that there should be no issues with the perceived overly congested roster. And he just rammed it home to me that as good as we all believe Brad Stevens is with X's and O's, 
and having the basketball mind that he has, he could not have been more forceful in telling me. And obviously, no one really can see this unless they're on the inside, as Mike is, and you're behind the scenes, but phenomenal understanding of people. Phenomenal understanding of people. And Brad will have no issue managing these personalities and this roster. That was the final sale point, at least you know for me. That and thus far, this preseason went as well as it could go from that standpoint to quell any fears or notions I may have. And about this preseason, which has mercifully concluded, by the way, I haven't just been this far on the show and haven't really discussed about it uh, to detail. Celtics only losing one game, but who's counting? We're looking for certain things in the preseason. Biggest thing I learned this preseason, well, not not really learned, more confirmed again, different contributors every night. One, well, hopefully more than one, because if it is just one player who plays well that particular night, the Celtics are more than likely to lose the game no matter the opponent sans Philadelphia. But a few guys are going to have good to great individual performances and thus being major contributors to the team on that night. And a few other rotation guys, maybe offensively, uh, they won't have good shooting nights or will get taken advantage by an adversary on the defensive end. That's just going to happen every single night, win-lose, triple overtime win, double overtime loss, whatever. Which means it's pretty much as important as ever not to analyze this team on a game-by-game basis. So I guess I pity Jared Weiss and the rest of the cast of characters over at the Garden Report, as well as the post-game show as well. Case in point being that throwaway game we watched, unfortunately, we watched back on Friday up in New Hampshire against Philadelphia. And oh my goodness, that was just brutal. Talk about two squads not wanting this preseason to end more enough and Brad Stevens treating as if it was just some sort of scrimmage where he just threw mud against the wall just to see a little bit of everything. Uh, to those who bought tickets, I, I do feel for you. We're just going to erase that game from our minds if if we can't from the annals of history. We'll just treat it as if it never existed. But back on point, there's one night, a David Lee, he he's going to go 3 of 10 from the field or something like along those lines as he did against the Knicks in Boston on Thursday. And I can say, don't you should one should not feel that is the start of the collapse of a house of cards. I know some are a bit concerned now that he hasn't had a great performance really since Europe. I'll be a preseason, really actually more accurately since he seemingly suffered a minor injury a little earlier in the month. Let's wait a couple games, a month, a month. Let's get to Thanksgiving. That'll be our first real checkpoint. We can, you know, go off these checkpoints. We'll wait a couple games and you know, decide if some players aren't playing well. And likewise, the other way around as well. You know, we'll just throw, sort of throw out like an example or, or what we'll make up. Like, say, Kelly Olenek. You know, he'll have some random, like a complete Swiss, Swiss Army knife type of game where he's hitting some threes, passing efficiently, he's you know, effective on the glass. And, I mean, it'll be very, very easy of us to say in a post game, you know, as a caller on the post game in the Facebook group or analyzing the game on the guard report, it's like looking at or even just looking at the box score and going like, oh, geez, well, hopefully he can build upon this and do this every night. I mean, of course, duh, <laughs> everyone would like to see that. But that's just the difference between good players and great players. Good players are capable of playing well night in and night out. They are capable of it. Great players do play well night in and night out. Well, 85% of the games, 90% of the games. Simple as that. The Celtics, they don't have any great players. But they have a cavalcade of good players 
The, the roster is just basically entirely made up of good players. And there's going to be some nights where they will be great and some nights where they're not going to be great. And likewise, we shouldn't think for one night they're going to be great. That's just going to be the, the, all uphill from there. And when they do have a, a, a lousy night, Isaiah Thomas, you know, in that garbage little scrimmage preseason game against Philadelphia, I don't think any of us are thinking that that's just going to be the end. It's all downhill from there, as we shouldn't. But with so many good players throughout the roster, odds are, percentages are, some, hopefully some, do have great nights. And then the onus is on Brad Stevens to figure out which of those do, which I think we can safely say is the least of any Celtics fans' concerns, that being Brad Stevens being able to mix and match the right players and find which is working for the Celtics that particular light or those particular games coming up. And this kind of goes back to what I said on last week's show when I was talking about sort of injuries and the rotation and what, what's going to work and what's not. And how I said, in all honesty, there's really only one player on this team that these Celtics really cannot afford to go an extended period of time without, and that's Isaiah Thomas. And I had my reasoning on last week's show, but it's how the games are going to be going about. No real one or two or three guys you can count on. Just who's working that night, and then, I mean, you know, seems kind of simple, but Brad takes it from there. None of these guys on this roster, with the small exception of Isaiah Thomas, and that's to an extent as well, are capable of being contributors nights, you know, nights in and nights out, 85 to 90% of these games. You know you're going to have a guy like Avery Bradley, and let's cross our fingers and hope he gets back to being that elite defensive perimeter presence. But offensively, I mean, he's not changing games every night. Some nights, yes. Some nights, every night, no. And that's just really this roster for you, if you can just sum it up. So I made a mental note of that myself, too, when analyzing this team. Don't get caught up in a crappy game, or three, by player X, Y, or Z. They're going to come and go with pretty much everyone on this roster, one way or another. A rookie like RJ Hunter may have a game where he goes 5 of 7 from the field in 15 minutes, and a collection of internet fans are ready to storm the Bastille for the guy to play 30 minutes every night. Just as long as we see it from the team, which we should, all will be well, right? We hope. We hope. But say goodbye to the preseason, and there was no better way to end a preseason than back on Friday night. Yes, exactly. I could not have said it better myself if I was asked for analysis on that game. I mean, preseasons do generally don't come to roaring ends as they shouldn't. They end with a thud, a clunker. And I do have to say, actually, though, all jokes aside about that steaming pile of elephant dung that was Friday night. I think Brad Stevens gave us a starting lineup. That's the one takeaway from that game. Of course, that's all I choose to take away from that night, and I mentioned it briefly earlier, but I think there's your starting lineup, even though they were on the floor together for like, I don't know, just a handful of minutes. But Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday, I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, David Lee, and Tyler Zeller announces the starters. I would be pretty surprised. I thought actually last week Evan Turner would start, if only because Crowder really seemed to do well with that second unit last year. And I discussed this in the Facebook group last week in regards to the rotation, which, by the way, if you care for the refresher, those five starters to go along with Thomas Turner, Johnson, Olenek, slash, slash, Drepko. But at least, at least from that Philly game on Friday, we did get a preview of the starting unit, and there will be, I don't think, 
no angst or anticipation there. I do have to say, though, who do the Celtics give the mick to? Doing that whole, you know, thank you for fans, here's to a great season in midcourt thing. It has to be Avery Bradley, right? I mean, it has to be a good player, identifiably mostly with the identity of this team. You know, not the best player by any stretch. But the attitude and the mindset, it's kind of like him and Jay Crowder in that in, in that aspect. Uh, longest tenured guy, first and foremost. A good candidate for captain, no less. Oh, and how well-spoken uh, he has become. I watched one of those season hype clips on CSNE.com, and I actually can't get over what is, you know, compared to his second year in the league when he was like, oh, the team, you know, we would play a little defense. Now he's like freaking JFK. And I wish you saw the video if you haven't, but it's like, ask not what the Celtics can do for you. Ask what you can do for the Celtics. Rah, rah, rah. And, uh, well, here's to a great season. Yes, please. We'll be at this for the next six months. Uh, well, actually, we, as you know, we do go all 52 weeks of the year. But the, these, this season, I'm, I've, we want it to be enjoyable. It's us here for this show. But we're finally here. Finally at the re- start of the regular season. Another great show, Celtics Beat, but never more happy to sign off this one as I am right now. Let the games begin as when we return. Games begun they have, but yes, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on Steel on Us Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. We're also on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. We're on them all. Google Plus, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Love to thank our grass, Rich Gotham, president of the organization. Thank you for stopping by and paying us a visit once again. And of course, those keep the lights on. Our sponsors, Linda, Audible, Tick IQ, DraftKings, Casper, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our program director, Nick Gelso, myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I am Larry H. Russell. We'll be back next week with yet another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio. on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right, seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis and the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool and the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of call like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, 
Pajama Party and Neon Beach Party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. 